motherfucking Ted Eye. A great American introduced to me through Dale Comstock. Dale, as everyone knows, has been on here for the last several weeks in a row going through his book American Badass chapter by chapter. And I really enjoy it because I get to have Dale, the man himself, tell the story. And I realized I was like, I was like, well, man, I was like, there's another book I really like. And it's like Lone Operator. And I was like, oh, wait, I talk to Ted all the time. I was like, I fucking bet he'd do the same thing. So I messaged you and you're like, fuck yeah, bro. So I figure why not, man? I've got contact with the two fucking American heroes themselves. So, but yeah, so we were talking about it and there's different types of, right? There's different types of, of motivation for different things. Myself, a meathead in high school, I kind of channeled that, that motivation and addiction to work to get into med school, two different things. So you going from just, you know, tip of the spear unit, you know, above all others that I talk about all the time that you and Dale can't talk about. But how do you how do you switch from that to something like writing a book, which in it in a way is kind of the weightlifting to med school. It's still just that like rabid work ethic. But I've been talking right. for a minute and a half straight now and haven't let you say a fucking word. So, Ted, I take yeah. it over. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, so when I was actually on Bill Survival, I was approached by a publishing company Um my second year on the show and they're like, Hey, we want you to write a book and autobiography and they're going to pay me and have seen a lot of money up front. And, you know, and I'm like, okay, so of course, you know, I had to go to discovery to get permission and, you know, lo and behold, the powers to be didn't want me to write one. So, um, that, that kind of sucked. I don't know why, but anyway, yeah. uh, I am no longer under their, their evil influence. So I, um, I basically, um, was sitting one day and I don't really remember Tom to be honest with you what it was I was watching TV and I don't remember what it was a story about somebody I'm like you know what I think I'm gonna I'm thinking I'm gonna write my book now and um, I started calling some publishing companies and I ended up talking to um, John Kohler who is the CEO of Kohler Publishing who published my book and uh we talked he's like yeah man great stuff you know i told him what i wanted to do and so he he picked me up as one of his books um because you can either self-publish mm-hmm. excuse me or you can be be brought on by a publishing company and they do they do a lot of help like they help on you know the cover of the book mm-hmm. and I mean, the layout everything stuff that i'm really bad at yeah i was responsible for the content long story short mr Kohler and i hit it off he was very helpful so um I had never written a book before, so it sounds easy, right? You think, well, hell, I'm writing an autobiography. All I, all I have to do is regurgitate information about my own life. Yeah. Well, it's actually difficult, and let me tell you why. Because you only get so many words per chapter, you know, about 6,000 words per chapter, so you have to be able to condense events into very short, explainable, understandable tidbits and so look dude i barely passed english in high school i'm like all right i'm gonna have some difficulty with this so that's why i brought in you know liam uh who was my kind of ghostwriter with me who kind of policed everything up so after i actually wrote the, the 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 you know the uh the text of the book he was like all right dude see this this is all jacked up you got to shorten this I, you lost me here and what does this mean and blah 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 mm-hmm. so he was instrumental in helping me um write the book and he should get his due credit for sure but um so yeah i started writing the book and uh it took me exactly 11 months 
And some days I worked on it, some days I didn't, man. I had to be in the groove. And what was funny is Mr. Kohler told me, he's like, look, Joe, I know you're not a writer. You got to kind of find, he called it your sweet spot. Like mm-hmm. find something that kind of gets you in tune with what you're, mm-hmm. what you're doing. So I'm like, all right. Because I was going to be writing a lot about my past and growing up and all this stuff. So I'm like, I'm just going to listen to some music, right? So I'd be sitting there in the living room and I'd be listening to Led Zeppelin and typing and, and I'm like, this ain't working. I was getting distracted. And then I put on some freaking Godsmack and I'm like, this ain't working. And so I'm like, all right, I'm just going to listen to the TV. And uh, I put on uh, I put on Star Trek because uh, I used to watch Fuck Star yeah. Trek as a kid, right? So I was, you know, it's all psychological, right? It's just helping me just kind of zone, sure. right? And so uh, instead of writing the book, I started watching Mr. Spock and Captain Kirk, and I'm like, all right, this definitely ain't wa- working. So one morning I woke up, true story, and I turned the TV on, and I was like, wasn't even looking at it. I was just kind of flipping and looking at my computer screen. And the next thing I hear is, it's your world. You can put a tree wherever you want. I'm going to put a tree right here. And, and dude, it was Bob Ross <gasps> yes. painting. Yes. No joke, dude. I'm not kidding. And I thought, oh, wow, man. I used to dig this dude when yeah. I was like, I, I wrote probably 80% of my book listening to Bob That's Ross. That's fucking amazing. No joke, dude. That's fucking, no I love Bob Ross, dude. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's the man. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so like I watched and listened to him so much. Like I, as soon as my schedule clears up, I'm actually going to uh, paint a painting. I think I can pull it off. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I listened to Bob, but it, it was really strange because it was a very relaxing voice. Mm-hmm. If you've never listened to Bob Ross, those go, go on YouTube and watch this guy paint. It's amazing. Yeah. He's passed since, yeah. but it's an amazing, he paints a full blown picture in 30 minutes. Like mm-hmm. it's crazy. But it was his voice and just the relaxing and yeah. I would look at it. And, t- and so I wrote most of my book, Lone Operator, you know, listening to Bob Ross paint. True story. Yeah. No, it's 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 not it's not weird at all, man. There are certain authors I listen to. There are certain lectures I listen to. We're all listen to them. I've listened to some lectures before. I mean, four hour lectures. I've probably listened to them a hundred times over the years. Sure. But even now, like emailing potential guests to come on the podcast, editing, uploading. Yeah, man. Sure. As soon as it's over, obviously I turn the camera off. First thing I do, AirPods in, and I put something on, and it's, sure. it's you don't even have to be paying attention. And it can be Bob Ross, it could be some guy giving a, a history of the Old Testament of the Bible. Yep. yep. But there are certain things that just kind of get you to zone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like when you start jogging and your blood starts going. You're like, okay, let's work out now. There are certain things where it just kind of your brain just goes, okay. And you start working. That's awesome. It was the calmness of his voice. Yes. It was the calmness of his voice because I'm going to be honest with you, man. If you read my book, I, I regurgitated a lot of bad memories. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, a lot. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's part of life. And it was difficult. Dude, there were times where I literally would start crying yeah. just thinking about it, man. It was very emotional. Yeah. Very emotional writing it. You know, talking about my mom mm-hmm. and also my friend Mike and yeah. uh, things I've done in my life. And just uh, so it kind of just kind of set me like right in that sweet spot. Yeah. But, um, that's yeah, so it's basically an autobiography slash lessons learned. So, you know, I always tell people, like, if I read a book, I don't want to hear war stories. I mean, tell me something I can use in my own life. Yeah. And if you can just get one gold nugget out of a book, to me, it's well read. And, I, I, you know, I've had a lot of people say, oh, man, I got a lot of good, you know, gold nuggets out of your book. And, and it won't apply to everyone, but I can almost guarantee if you read it, you're going to get a few. 
Well, there are. Because I've lived a pretty interesting life. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and we've talked about kind of that before with you and Comstock is like, you know, the same thing with... um, with Mr. Michael Durant, the the pilot that was shot down in Mogadishu, like you read Black Hawk Down and you're like, oh Rambo, and then you read his book in the Company of Heroes, and it's the entire thing is this like psychological thing. You wouldn't even know if it takes place in Mogadishu or if it takes place in Kansas, but there are take homes from it from his. And I talked about this with him on episode ninety five is about like don't give in to false hope because that will in the end hurt you from Comstocks, I, I took away a lot of autogenic conditioning from yours right. above all others I, I took away from the first chapter and I've told this to you before on the phone privately about I remember I was telling you one time about something about me not giving up and I was like well and I basically you know, I told you your story and you were like touche but like this the first the first chapter of your story is I mean to me is like the most intense version of don't give up ever i mean truly ever i'm not just saying that to kiss your ass i mean ever and it's that's what it's what it's one of the things i always fall back on when i'm like push forward i'm like you know just kind of that will to survive right yeah yeah so actually if i'm not mistaken the first chapter of tom if we um real quick sure so of course i had a dedication to my buddy mike yeah you know he, he he died in a helicopter crash uh dale and i were both there yeah um, and uh, I dedicated my book to him. The um, my first chapter um, basically was um, about the boar kill when I was on the show. Oh shit! Then that wasn't the right one. Yeah, chapter about. two. Yeah, okay. chapter two. Chapter two was about a, a mission I was on in Afghanistan and went yeah. really, really bad. Yeah. Um, but the, the first chapter, which is really bizarre, because I wanted to start the book out with the mission but john the owner of the publishing comes like joe people identify with you with your show and so i was like all right i get it he says what was the most intense thing you did while you were shooting the show and i said well by far the boar kill yeah and uh because i killed it with this i stopped it with a spear and then i i killed it with my knife and that was it was actually voted the number one discovery made this big long um uh montage of all the animal kills on the show like the top 10 and mine was number one <laughs> and it was dude it was really bad because they, they actually the lawyers at, at discovery had to watch it i was told and then they basically had to tell the editing people what they could show because it had to do with kids watching and all this other legal mumbo jumbo and, and they even said that even even during that episode that you know uh graphic hunting scene and all that but they edited out a lot of stuff uh even when i watched the original after it was done and they showed the camera like hey check this out this is like this is as good as it gets a lot of the blood spraying out because i stabbed it through the heart it was like (laughs) they they edited all of that out uh it's for kids yeah for kids Sure. I and mean, so, yeah. uh, matter of fact, one of the cameramen had blood all over him, and he was standing like ten <laughs> feet away. Um, but anyway, it was a really graphic cutting scene. It was on one of the Hawaii, Hawaiian islands, and um, what's really actually a kind of a cool behind the scene thing is um, when I said I wanted to hunt a boar uh, with a spear, um, they had to uh, call the insurance company 
and say, hey, is this dude covered to hunt a boar in case he gets hurt? Because I had this massive insurance policy on me through Lloyd's of London. I was told it was like 50 million. I don't know. Anyway, a lot. In case I got hurt, yeah. that money went to discovery for loss of um, yeah. advertising revenue, which I understand. I get yeah, it. Yeah, I get yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. And so uh, big, big money game. So uh, they had to find out if it was all right for me to do it. And they cleared me hot to do it. And uh, if you watch that episode, what you don't know is we were laying there for probably six hours. And the producer was sitting to my or laying next to me to my left and the cameraman was there and he leaned over and he looked at his watch and says, dude, we got about 30 minutes of light left. And that's it. It's a no go. I said, Roger that. Soon as he said that, like 10 minutes later, you could start hearing this thing, you know, oinking and walking. And then you can smell them because they smell, they have a really bad odor. Um, And so um, you can smell it coming, you can hear it coming anyway. And I set some snares up and I set up this fence to kind of funnel it into this this kill zone and I snared it and I went up and uh, you know, my adrenaline was pumping, dude, no doubt. Dangerous animal, right? Ain't like you're, like I said on the show, you're not shooting a deer with a, you know, with a freaking bolt action rifle at 200 yards. This is up close and ugly. And um, so I tapped into some, you know, tenants of CQB, speed, surprise, violence of action, got my mind right, you know, um, and that was it and executed. And um, it was very quick. If you time it, it lasts about seven seconds from the time my spirit and it kind of drops on its front legs. I throw the spear down, I take out my knife and I jump on its back. Actually, I stabbed it twice. They only show me stabbing it once. The first time I stabbed it, I missed its spinal cord. And dude, I ain't joking. When I stabbed, I had a huge knife, my SurfTac 7. It looks like a, a, a freaking gladiatorial knife. It's huge, yeah. heavy, right? Probably weighs two pounds. Great survival knife. But anyway, the first time I stabbed it, I missed its spinal cord. And my hand and the knife went all the way into it like that. Like that's how jacked up I was. My hand went all the way, like up to my wrist. Yeah. So I pulled it out. And this time I hit it, and that was the, the kill that they, they showed. But it was about seven seconds. The second time I felt the knife hit its spinal cord, and it just severed, severed its spinal cord. And it was dead. Jesus Christ. And it was intense, dude. I ain't lying, man. I, after it was done, I, I, I was like, hey, man, I got I to gotta take about a five-minute break and just and, kind of decompress, you know. And, um, and I went down to the stream and washed my knife off. And, and kind, of, kind of side comment is you don't have, you don't have of, of like, your own like genetic like you don't you don't have any uh, direct children correct i do not we need to change that because we need your gene pool to stay in humanity <laughs> we don't need my bitch ass we need uh, we Lord. need we need fucking alpha he-man all right we've you got enough. Age, i don't know if i have any lead in the pencil anymore <laughs> well fucking well then let's fucking i don't care let's 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 take some skin samples and freeze them just get the dna we can't we can't be losing guys like you from the from the from the lineage we don't need any more you know blue hair like you know cappuccino skinny jean guys anymore we need more of you all right all right so we're that's going to be the next mission is i'm going to make all the money and and cryogenically freeze you but that's a different side rant for another time but yeah no i mean you talked about that i remember you talked about that in the book is you know like you want the the guy you were with was like you know i don't want to do that and you were like fuck that you're like i'm a survivor and you're like i'm like i'm a predator and you're like, yeah. I'm, I'm going to do this. And he had, well, he, and Cody, I was with Cody at that, that particular episode. And he had a legitimate point. And, and obviously it's TV. But if it would have been a legitimate survival situation, 
and I would have gotten hurt. Now what? True. Okay. He had two choices then. Leave me injured and continue or try to haul me out, which is you're basically sinking both your boats at the same time. Yeah. Uh, I personally wouldn't do that. I mean, I know I come from the spec ops community and you don't leave men behind, but uh, that's combat, different story. Uh, in a survival situation, if I was injured to the point where I couldn't walk, I weigh 200 pounds. How far do you think you're going to be able to carry me? Yeah. Not far, dude. Yeah. Not yeah. far. So the best thing to do is just leave me there, give me food and water, prop me up, you know, take care of my injuries and then haul ass. Yeah. And remember where I was at. Mark the area really well, uh, and that's it. But um, but yeah, he was really against it. Um, I get it. I understood. But you know, we were hungry, and um, there were there were boars everywhere. There were tracks everywhere. I'm like, man, these things. I knew how to make a snare pretty easy, uh, and I already had a spear because that was part of the scenario. So I had everything I needed. You know, I just needed I just needed a good place to do it. And, I, uh, I scouted out a dump, you know, bunch of different places, and the place that we found was perfect. There was a cliff and trails all running through it, and then a, so it's basically a cliff, trails, and then a river. <laughs> and it was it was just like a roadway where yeah. these things were going, and it was I just cut them off with this fence that I found down near the river. It was all rusted. It was like a chicken wire fence. But uh, but you know, I, I think the most important thing for people watching is uh, the takeaway. I guess Tom would be this. If you were ever placed in a real survival situation, you are going to be required to be, you're going to be put in a position where you're going to have to do things you're not comfortable with. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to eat stuff you're not comfortable with. You're going to have to drink stuff you're not comfortable with. You're going to have to sleep in shit conditions that you're not comfortable with, right? Those are the facts. You know, you think you're going to be laying there in 75 degree weather with no wind and no mosquitoes, and you're going to have a bottle of champagne, dude. It's not like that. Mm-hmm. You're, you're going to be a hurt. You're going to be in a hurt locker. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know. Even though it was a TV show, I had 18 cases of hypothermia. Jesus Christ. Okay. Uh, yeah, 18. 18. Some mild, you know, and some really not mild. And if you want to hear something crazy on a, on a side note, the worst hypothermia I had was in the Bahamas. That's weird. I had what we call warm water hypothermia. I never even heard of it before. It but think about this. Think about this. We were, I was in the water for 10 hours. Yeah. Floating. Yeah. In eight, no, if you're in 80 degree water for an hour, like, woo, this is great. Nine hour later, yeah, that you're, you've had it. Yeah, right. Because you've had, had it, dude. I was, gray, I was ashing. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was ashing. My skin was gray. I was mumbling and fumbling and stumbling. Wow, bad shape, dude. I guess that makes bad sense, shape, though, right? Warm water hypothermia because yeah, your body is yeah. what ninety eight point six degrees, but water conducts right. heat twenty five right. times faster right. than air. So yeah, that's right. I mean, and you're up to here. Yeah. You're yeah. completely immersed in it. And yeah. You know, I mean, so and people are like, it's bullshit. No, it's not bullshit. I experienced it with my own with my own self. And uh yeah, and, and I've been in you know, thirty six below zero on the show. Thirty six below zero. Um, but uh, but not to, to get off track, but yeah, it was um, you know, it was uh, something that I I wouldn't recommend hunting an animal like that. Uh not that way, unless you've got the I don't even say the skills because I had never done it before. I had never 
stand out the board and jump. But I had the mindset to do it. Yeah, that's the difference. It, you can't go in there and be a little bit pregnant. Yeah, like you're either all in or you're all out because that animal is gonna is gonna tear you a new asshole. Okay, and they're extremely dangerous. As a matter of fact, as you know, the Spartans used to paint pictures of boars mm-hmm. on their shields because they respected them so much because they were such tenacious animals mm-hmm. and so hard to kill. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was, it was daunting. And I ain't gonna lie to you, dude. I was a little intimidated. You know, when I heard that thing coming, I'm like, please God, don't let this thing be like over 300 pounds. And it yeah. wasn't, it was like 200. It, it was a, it was a medium sized boar. It wasn't giant good. Cause they get huge. Yeah. But, um, the people that are listening right now, the takeaway is that, you know, it's not so much the skill. I mean, stabbing something with a spear. Okay. It's the mindset. Yeah. It's the mindset that got me to the finish line. Well, yeah, and and if if I'm if I may, just thinking of this kind of this takeaway right now, is you could kind of look at it in a in a less literal way, um, of you know killing a boar and being in a survival situation. I'd say let's take away like the core elements, like when you're in a situation where you have like less than adequate resources you kind of have to step up and and take the take what would you say earlier the exact words you said there were boars all around us okay so let me just try to put that in my own like analogy okay like doing the podcast working at a liquor store living above my parents garage and they want to retire soon and i got to get the fuck out what's something that i wasn't 100 percent comfortable with and it was finding someone to invest in the podcast because i was like i don't fucking want anyone to do with it it's good they're going to get involved and it's well, the boar was, and I'm making this up on the spot, so excuse me, sure. but like the boar is like, okay, I made a video and it's episode 150 something where I'm asking for investors and explaining why somebody bit and now it's working and now I don't have to work at the liquor store. But that whole thing was very uncomfortable because I'd never done anything like that before. You know, I'm going to sign this thing sure. over. This is going to, but I'm just thinking like, that's the boar. Now I could be safe like Cody right. and be like, I'm going to stay at the liquor store and I'm going to stack my minimum wage cash. Right. Or it could or be, the there's the boar and it's like, it might kill me, but it might be my ticket out. So right. I would say there is a takeaway and it's not just Absolutely. literally killing a boar. It's find your metaphorical boar. Sorry for right. that little side rant. But. No, but it's, it's a risk. You know, I always talk about risk management and you know, especially in these trying times, you know, you've got to look at everything um, in a holistic way and kind of weigh the pros and cons, you know, kind of like what was the pros and cons of killing the board? Well, I'm going to get full and have a lot of food or I can get gored and, you know, tore up. so I was going through all these, this process of pros and cons and the pros way outweighed the cons. Mm-hmm. The only con was me getting hurt mm-hmm. pretty much. That was it. Mm-hmm. The pros were many. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Right then and there, we had long-term food. We could bring food with us. I mean, so anyway, um, but I, you can definitely apply that to life because, you know, everything's a risk now. Everything's risk management. Mm-hmm. If I do A, what's going to happen with B? And um, I think a lot of people need to really take that into consideration yeah. uh, these days. Um, yeah. Because I mean, really, yeah. nobody really knows what the future holds. But what I will tell you um is that the, the you know knowledge is you know power mm-hmm. you know, albert einstein one of my favorite sayings quotes is from albert einstein the only source of knowledge is experience mm-hmm. you know and so um 
and, and not to segue in anything else, you know the course that I'm running, mm-hmm. uh, the wet sea course, mm-hmm. the training course. And so, you know, this is a perfect example uh, on why I'm doing this because I have all this knowledge, right? I've got this knowledge and I don't want to go to my grave knowing you know, millions of dollars have been spent on my training and I never really shared it with anyone. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so those that are listening, um, if you go to, to – um, to uh, my Facebook page, Warriors Edge Training Course, Spartan Americana, um, I talk about it, and it's 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 it will give you the skills to go after that boar, right? Okay. Metaphorically, right? But okay. the boar is not the boar; it's life and yeah. everything that's going on. And I'm going to give you the confidence and the skills to do that. And it's a hands-on course; it's three days, two nights. It's here in North Carolina, and. Um, but yeah, that's an excellent part. You know, it's 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 a, a lot of people, as you know, Tom, they 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 lack confidence these mm-hmm. days. You know, I mean, I think we all do in some form. Mm-hmm. And having confidence is like a a cheap insurance policy. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And and I've I've talked to you about Wetsy before, and obviously we're going to do several. I mean, like, like with Dale, we're going to be doing successive Sunday episodes about Lone Operator, but as well as Wet Sea. But yeah, that is, I'll put the, the description or the, excuse me, the link in the description, sticky in the top comment. But yeah, no, we've talked about it before and it's kind of, you know, it's, it's almost, you know, had it's, it's kind of fight club-ish. It's like, you know, do you want to step away from just vanilla man, nine to five cubicle? And it's like, do you want to, you know, you want to kind of go learn to you know be the killer and like not in like a i mean but in like the best possible sense where it's like guys you know grow up in so you know it's like me suburban atlanta like there's a reason why we gravitate towards stupid shit and it's like because there's that certain like test of masculinity that traditionally men go through that we never did it was like the toughest thing we did was play like dodgeball and so there's that and that's the course ted is offering is basically it's a three-day just like you said, I mean, Ted is not, he's the $60 million man. I mean, you've been through training. You've been through training that you can't even talk about. You don't even have to relay all of that. You don't have to make people Jason Bourne. But there are a lot of people where, I mean, it's almost like, it's like a Boy Scouts for men. It's like, just kind of go learn the basics of just kind of how to nut up. And, and so we actually have a, we actually have women go to come to the course. Too. All right, so all right. Yeah, which is fantastic. Matter of fact, uh, the one lady uh, that we're speaking to right now, she's bringing her 16 year old daughter fuck yeah you know what i mean so like it's it's not that kind of like bang bang shoot them of course it's there's all kinds of we're talking about home security and family security and how to travel right when you check into hotels and um you know how to improve your mindset and how to improve your using kim's games your attention to detail how to spot surveillance and all kinds of stuff and yes there's going to be some shooting but i'm doing it the smart way um i bought really high-end, like, mil-spec airsoft guns. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you, dude, if I held up one in a real M4, you would not be able to tell the difference. They weigh the same, um, very impressive guns, and same with the, the pistols. Fuck they yeah. cycle and everything. So this way, um, well, first off, it, it helped with the insurance for running the course, but um, I can get a lot more done because they're just as accurate as a real gun, close range. I mean, I shot a group like this at 25 yards. Oh, dude, I'm saying super, super accurate airsoft guns. But anyway, um, so you'll be doing it. I'll show you how to use them or how to use a pistol and all this stuff that, you know, people go, oh, just go on YouTube. No, you're not going to learn shit on YouTube for, for stuff like that. This is a hands-on course, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, yeah. but anyway, uh, we'll, we'll, we can get into that some other time. But sure. 
yeah the book dude the book was a real it was a pleasure pain thing um and uh it went through several versions like and you got to remember when you're when you're writing a chapter and you're reading it like i don't know how many times i'd be typing i would literally delete five pages start over yeah you know what i mean like i just i just couldn't get the right words out it's very difficult for those of you that want to write a book i thought it'd be easy yeah took me 11 months yeah yeah, no, I've I've tried writing before and failed miserably at it. But yeah, it's yeah, it's it's not yeah. Um but so I guess what I mistakenly thought was the first chapter. Um can we get into that today? Do you want to save that? Do you have What's that? Oh, the, the second chapter? Yeah. Uh, do we do it real quick? Yeah, it's just so so what I didn't want to do is I didn't want to make it a war story book. Mm-hmm. I just didn't. Because yeah. look everybody i don't care what you did in the military everybody or the government everybody's got war stories everybody Everybody. it don't matter if you were you know a logistics guy a spec ops guy a pilot it don't matter everybody's got war stories i wanted to tell that particular story because there was a lot of takeaway from Mm -hmm. um because a lot of people have asked me what was the scaredest you've ever been in your life? And without hesitation, I talk about that scenario. But what's so funny is that it's not that it was a big gunfight going on at the time. As a matter of fact, it was, you could hear the crickets. Yeah. And I was looking at the stars and there was nothing going on except the word of the guy that I was with suggesting me to do something. And that put the fear of God in me. I literally, when I got back, because uh, we were up for 77 hours, didn't sleep for 77 hours. So I was pretty wiped out when we got back. And uh, But later on, um, you know, I thought about what he had said, and I, it was horrific. But let me just kind of give a, a quick synopsis of what happened. Is that what you want me to do, Tom, just kind of give you a quick rundown? Of yeah, what? yeah. No, I mean, I, I can go as long as for – I just don't want – I don't yeah. want to keep you. But, no, it's, yeah, a, it's a great yeah. fucking story. Go, take your yeah, time, so, man. Take your time. So, he, here's, so here's what happened. Um so I was in a, a government uh, counterterrorist unit, um, uh, a very secretive one, and that's where I, where Dale and I worked. And so Dale came from Delta over there, and I came from SF. But um, the unit did very interesting missions. Um, interesting in the form that um, sometimes you'll do things by yourself, mm-hmm. or with another guy, or with four guys. So it wasn't like your traditional special operations unit um, in that regard. Um, It also had to do with the actual nature, the covert nature of the business, um, legalities um, that go with a unit like that. But anyway, so um, we got a call that there was an an individual that we had been looking for for quite some time. couple of years actually two years i think it was and they found out where he was I'm not going to say how they found out but found out where he was and it was in the middle of the day and this is basically called a time sensitive target right where they say hey we know where tom tom's going to be he's at 123 main street and he's going to be there for two hours at a meeting and then he's gone again mm-hmm. right so you got to haul ass and get there well anyway long story short We knew where this guy was going to be. As a matter of fact, not only did we know where he was going to be, there were other people that were going to be at this meeting uh, that we were looking for. So it was like, oh, man, you know, jackpot, right? 
So we were just going to call in a, uh, a JDAM and um, do a battle damage assessment and be done with it. And it was way out in the middle of nowhere. Um, doesn't matter where it was. But um, so what we decided to do is just two of us were going to go go in. Uh, we were going to get dropped two train features away from the target and on the top of this mountain, call in the strike, watch it, make sure you know everything was copacetic, we're good, do a battle damage assessment and, and, and extract. Pretty freaking unsexy mission, you know, um, but uh, the job was going to get done. Mm-hmm. Um, and we chose to do a kinetic strike for various reasons. Don't need to get into that whole reason, but that was the only option. Mm-hmm. And so long story short, uh, the guy I was with, and we, we infilled in the day, uh, bird took off. We didn't go very far and started taking fire. Um, and it was from a real long ways away. You could tell the rounds were coming from several hundred yards away at least. And, uh, you know, obviously you're compromised right from the get go. Um, there was no way we we're going to make it to where we we're going, but the, um, the challenge was where we were and the fact that we were now under fire, they didn't want to bring in a bird at another Mogadishu, so to speak, mm-hmm. not the same scenario, but yeah. same situation. You know, they didn't want to bring in a bird yeah. and have it shot down. I mean, you can you can go back with this, you know, still team say that it, that happens all the bird gets shot down and another bird gets shot yeah, down. Yeah. Now you got a giant clusterfuck, yeah. right? Giant, it, there's so many situations of this. It's not even funny. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, of course, we had our Blue Force trackers on, which is basically a, a GPS tracking platform. And we had our E&E plan. And so that kind of went out the window because as we were trying to E&E, we would get cut off, we'd take fire, we'd go this way, take fire. Anyway, it became useless. Long story short, um, it was into like the second day, night, and we were pretty strung out, out of water. Because I ain't lying to you, dude. I had a bottle. Matter of fact, there's a picture of me. You can actually see the bottle of water that I had in my vest because um, we were just going to go in and out, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Murphy showed up. So yeah. anyway, uh, dehydrated. Um, I ate two power bars, you know, that because I just had it on my shoulder um, just to eat. But anyway, long story short, only had um, one, two, three, four, five magazines. Um, and because uh, we wanted to travel light, right? And so we weren't really going to be engaging anyone, anyway, just to observe, report, leave. And um, anyway, this night, the second night, the guy I was with, as a matter of fact, former Delta guy and was in Mogadishu, um, stud, great guy. Um, I remember him just, he asked me, it's the way he asked me that, I want to say freaked me out, that just rattled me to the core. Very calmly just said, how much ammo do you have left? And, and I, I just said, one magazine. And he said, no, like how many? So I took the mag out of my gun. I, you know, I said, I got seven rounds left. And um, he said, just put one in your pocket. And I didn't, at that time, I didn't really understand what he was saying. I was tired, right? Hadn't slept. Um, and uh, we weren't hallucinating tired, but we were, you know what I mean? Like, you felt like shit, your hair hurt, you know? Like, just, yeah, yeah, anxious, strung out. Yeah, just really bad. You felt like you were drunk. Um, but anyway, so I did. So I put this right in my pocket, and then we, we, we started moving again and um, it, it hit me what he was telling me. And 
here's the deal. You know, everybody goes, I just kill myself. You know, I'm not going to get captured. Well, you know what? That was a reality. (laughs) Uh, You know, we were out of ammo. Uh, There was a significantly larger force after us. At one time, there was probably 16 dudes, 14, 16 guys, something like that. Um, From what we could tell, uh, being captured was not um, something that, You know they're not going to treat you well. Yeah. You're going to end up on Ultra Zero's funniest home video getting decapitated. Yeah, and I just didn't feel like that was an option. And you know I'll be honest with you, uh, sitter. This day, like, could I have done it? I, I don't know, man. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'd like to think that I would have gone out fighting, um, but that was the scaredest I ever was because, and I'll tell you how bad it scared me. To this day, I don't hunt. Yeah. Yeah. And I, because I remember you, and like my dumbass, who I don't hunt, but like my my dad and his whole side of the family does. My dumbass, I remember a year ago, I was like, I was just trying to hang out with you and Dale. I was like, hey, you guys want to come hunting at my lake house? And I remember you were like, nah, man. And me being a bitch, I was like, oh, I don't think Ted I likes me. But then later talking to Dale, I remember Dale was like, Ted doesn't hunt. And then I talked to you, and you were like, I don't hunt. And you're like, because you're like, I don't have anything against it. It's not some vegan shit. You were like, I know what it's like to be hunted. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, shit. dude, no, I have no, I have no and if I had a hunt, of course, you know, sure, yeah, sure. I hunt for food, but just for the sport of hunting, um, yeah, I know that feeling, and I can tell you it was very claustrophobic. Yeah. Um, I kind of felt like the walls were closing in on us. Yeah. I, there were no walls. You know I mean? It was in my mind. Yeah. I just felt like the walls were closing in on us, and I could tell by the look on the guy's face that I was with, he was a seasoned combat veteran, way more than I was. I, I could look and kind of see, he was kind of like, yeah, dude, this is probably going to be the end of the game for us. Yeah. And and I'm like, damn. And then, of course, you know, everything's, oh, I can tell you what the first thing went through my damn mind, because I was married at the time. Like, I wish I had more fucking life insurance. That was the first thing I thought about. Is that crazy? No, not at all. It's you. Yeah, that was the first First thing I thought about, I wish I had more life insurance. And it wasn't, I didn't have kids. It wasn't like, oh, it was just, I was mad that it was all going to end on some remote mountain in the middle of freaking shithole country, yeah. you know, uh, me. You know, it, it just, it, it was kind of like a wah, wah, wah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, really? This is how it's going to go out. And yeah. so, but, um, not to give the whole story away, but what happened was that next morning, um, we had come to a wadi. I don't know if you know what people what a wadi is. Basically, like a washed out riverbed, and this, the sides are usually pretty steep. Mm-hmm. Well, this was about 80 feet deep. There was no climbing down it, there was no jumping down it. And it went in one direction and the other for quite a while. And um, we were on the radio with the bird. And um, I don't know, even know to this day, if this guy broke a button. 99% sure because we were still engaged with, mm-hmm. you know, in, in a running gun battle with these assholes. But long story short, this pilot flew in a former task force 160 guy, not going to say his name. Uh, he knows who he is. And I thank him. <laughs> um, flew in on an MI 17 because that's kind of birds that we used. I've never seen one of those huge Russian mm-hmm. helicopter clamshell comes off the back. But anyway, flew the bird in almost backwards into this wadi. And I'm not kidding, dude. I, I could still hear and feel the pressure from the blades 
because this thing was coming in like that and the blades were up here and we had to jump into the ramp. Anyway, long story short, dude, the guy, if it would have been 30 minutes later, it would have been over. We were out of ammo. We had nowhere to go. Our back was up against the wall. It was like the worst, worst case scenario, you know? And anyway, this dude comes in and we both jumped in. Uh, my buddy went in first. As soon, Lion Kid, as soon as I hit the ramp, this dude banked. And I remember sliding. I had my freaking rifle in my hand. I remember sliding across the deck of this thing and smashing into some of the, the seats and um, and just, just hearing them fly away and hearing gunshots. But anyway, if you look at the picture of my book, I don't know if you can see it or not. But anyway, a couple rounds as we were banking came up through the floor of the helicopter and just missed the onboard fuel bladder. Um, and I mean, but here's the picture of me after it. You really can't see it, but there's a picture of me after the mission. Uh-huh. And that thing to my on my right shoulder is an extended fuel tank. Mm-hmm. And um, if you see the original picture near my elbow, there's a couple rounds that came up. But anyway, that's the pilot in the back. You can almost see his expression. Yeah. Like, you see, I mean, like he had it too. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But that is immediately after we got picked up. And um, so anyway, yeah, I was 100 pounds of hammered shit right over twice. <laughs> and um, but I will tell you this: for those of you are listening, um, physical fitness saved the day. Yeah. Yeah, you said End that, yeah. of story. Because I'm here to tell you, dude, we moved. Uh, when we got back, they showed us on the computer our Blue Force tracker where we went. And we went about 18 miles. Now, that don't sound far in three days. But in those mountains, dude. With it's, no food or water. Walking, you're wa- Yeah, you're walking on mountains like, like the, like the yeah. Rocky Mountains. Like yeah. the Hindu yeah. Bush, right? Yeah, dude, we were smoked. I had blisters on my blister. I was, that was a mess, dude. A mess. And so was my friend. But anyway, my buddy, my buddy Jeff, when we landed, I was sitting on the ramp and they brought us some stuff to drink. And he's like, dude, I got to get a picture of you. You look freaking awful. I'm like, thanks. Thank he's you. like, your eyes look like two pistols in a snowbank. <laughs> they were like red and yellow. And anyway, he took the picture and then he emailed it to me later. And so that's where that picture came from. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. 18 miles in, in the Afghani mountains. I mean, that's yeah. – Jesus Christ. Who knows what the actual, like, total absolute distance is in terms of, yeah, distance traveled, right? Because it's all – Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. It's really not that far if you were walking, you know, through woodland. Yeah. That's nothing. In three days, that's six miles a day. Yeah. Anybody can do that. Well, that's but like – when you're carrying kit and you're being chased by a bunch of jagoffs trying to shoot you – you know, you're stressing, you're, you know, your adrenaline's pumping, you're getting tired and tired, you're not eating, you're not, you know, you're not sleeping, you're not drinking water. Yeah, it sucked. Yeah. It sucked, man. It was, um, it was a really eye-opening experience, but um, I will tell you, the only thing we did do, the only thing we did do is we dropped our plates. Uh, we had the conversation one, it was like day two, and we're like, dude, these plates aren't going to save us. Cause it was slowing us down. So we literally just dropped our plates out right there. Um, front and back. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. And that, that really helped. Yeah. You know what I mean? We knew time and distance and speed was going to be security. Yeah. Not, we got a fucking plate. Cause let me tell you something, dude, those guys were shooting at us and rounds ricocheting. Yeah. Your plate ain't going to save you. You're going to take a round in the side of the head yeah. from a ricochet. These plates, Dude, they weren't gonna. It was a no-brainer. Yeah, 
you know, Lord, you've left your plates. Yeah, we left our fucking plates because what they weighed and they were making us sweat. Yeah. It, 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 that was not going to save us. What was going to save us is getting on our fucking horse and hauling ass. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the, what we did. yeah, and the distance you, know I mean? you were the distance you were putting between them. It's I was trying to think of an analogy, but it's like the eighteen miles. It's like it's like okay, take for instance the original twin towers. They were about two hundred feet apart from each other. So imagine you're standing on the observation deck of one, and my GPS says that I went from the top of one to the top of the other. Someone goes, "That's two hundred feet. What about it?" No, it was 110 stories down and 110 stories back up. It's so at that moment, it's I mean, it's like fighter jets. And I don't know if this is real or if it's just from the movie behind enemy lines, but they jettison the fuel tank so that they can when they're trying to fucking outmaneuver the SAM site because the fuel tank isn't going to save them. It's not getting hit by the missile. That's exactly the same exact thing. We knew our plates weren't going to save us. We were low on ammo. And the only thing we could do is just really move out as fast. And of course, we weren't running can't run in that terrain mm-hmm. um but we were moving quickly at as fast as we could move safely without tweaking an ankle or a knee because mm-hmm. if that would have happened game over so again this is where that whole business you know people are like you know soft guys are just a bunch of knuckle draggers dude let me tell you something they're not these are guys that can think under extreme stress drop the plates the way we were walking where we were walking um, and it was on the fly. We were shitting this stuff under fire, like, hey, let's do this. Hey, let's do this. That is what really separates a spec ops guy from you know other uh, individuals on the battlefield is their critical thinking skills, <clears throat> their ability to think under <clears throat> extreme stress. You know, it sounds easy, and, and, and it's not. I'm not gonna lie to you, man. It was the scaredest I've ever been in my life. I think about it now, and I still shake. It's mm-hmm. like. Know, years later and i still i and it was so funny i go outside of my home at night and i look at the stars tom and i go those are the same stars that yeah. i saw yeah when I, when I was gonna die like you know what i mean like it's, it's really weird that's a it's weird, weird head fuck yeah it to- yeah man so people just need to understand that <clears throat> those of you that are able to control your fear and you know i'm here to tell you fear is a human emotion Okay, was I scared? Sure, how could you not be scared? But you control the fear to a manageable point, mm-hmm. right? So you can think clearly and, and do what you need to do. See, human emotion. I, I think people that say they're devoid of fear or fearless are actually a um, a risk and a liability on the battlefield. Yeah. Because yeah. they will just do shit like, I'm just going to, no, yeah. no, 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 hell no. Not just no, but hell no. Yeah. So, and the guy was with a consummate professional. You know, I respected him and, uh, before I even knew that, you know, went on a mission with the guy, I, I already knew of him and, and where he came from. And I, I respected, you know, his word. And, but it's so funny. I still have that round. I still have it. sits on a shelf in my room. It's just a reminder mm-hmm. of like how things can go from like, Hey, what a nice day to, Oh shit. I may have to shoot myself. Yeah. But also, <laughs> like, you know, like also the inverse though. You could, That's say, right. you could say, I went from a point where this was my own, this thing was my vessel out of this reality to now it's on the shelf in my home. Right. Just, you know, my home where I have food and water and, you know, and a relationship. And it's like, oh, okay. Like it's, but I was, I was going to point out, um, and you've pointed this out before and, um, but kind of the, the, the importance of this is it, it's not. It's two things. One, the guy who was in Mogadishu, the the seasoned Delta guy you were with, 
you I remember you said the thing that scared you a lot, and I don't remember if this is in your book or just a past episode, but you were like it was the fact that he was so calm, cool, and collected when he was like, Hey, you know, wasn't this it was just a matter of fact, like, hey, go get me a sandwich in the refrigerator. Yeah. yeah. Hey Tom, go get me a sandwich. Hey Tom, send me the link when the video's up. Hey Tom, put a bullet in your pocket. Yep. Just very like oh, yep. it wasn't hysterical, it wasn't nope. And then the other thing was, so this guy who had also been in Mogadishu, you know, to refresh everyone, you know, so you had Delta go into the target building and then you had the Rangers at the four corners around it. And then, you know, when it all did go to shit, you had that entire, you had the 10th Mountain Division with the Malaysians and the UN, they all came in and did it. What you were in, what you two were in, what Dale was in, was in a unit where this wasn't, it's not Delta, it's not DevGrew, this there are no backups, not because they can't be supplied. I mean, the U.S. military oh, no. can go anywhere. Right. You don't exist. Correct. You don't exist. I go to jail and I'm like, hey, Ted, I, and you're like, Tom, who? Nope. That's what it is. So it's a lot of guys had a hard time with that. And, and, and guys that I spoke to that when I was downrange that we worked with other units um, and they knew who we worked for. And some of them had really good things to say about the unit and some are like, you know what? I can't work for people that I'm just a number on a keyboard and deleted. I'm like, well, that is the nature of this game. Sure. And, uh, you know, big boy rules apply. And I remember when I went through the operators course, um, (laughs) this one guy just basically, we were going through one phase of the training. He said, you know, rule number one guys is don't get caught. And there's only two rules. And the second rule is don't break rule number one. That's it. You're good. Uh, but yeah, we you know in that unit, um, the cavalry is not going to come. Yeah. Um, in that situation, they were definitely not coming. Uh, you know, some situation it would depend, Tom. It would yeah. depend, but th- it, it would depend on where you were and what you were doing. Yeah. You know, that whole plausible deniability is a huge thing. You know, obviously, when when the seals went in to kill Ben Laden, uh, you know, sure they had plan- look, they had AC one thirties and fired up. Dude, they had a contingent yeah. of you know assets protecting them. If yeah. something would have gone wrong, they had pace, primary, alternate, and they had it all wired for sound. The unit that 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 Dale and I served in, dude, they sure they had a bottomless bank account. Bottomless. It, that's not the way that unit operated. Yeah. It's not the same mission. It's a different mission. It's the 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 plausible deniability part is huge, huge. And so that's the way that game is played. And some guys are like, "Fuck that! I'm not." Yeah. I'm. Yeah, it's it's. I liked it yeah. because that just amped the freaking stakes way up. Like, wow. <laughs> You're telling me if I get rolled up somewhere, I'm fucked. Oh, oh fuck yeah, okay. let's play. It's- yeah, let, let, let me give this a go. Let me let me see if I've got. Let me see if I can pull this shit off. And you know, um, and yeah, gonna- dude, yeah. It was. It, it will. And Dell tell you the same thing that the missions that that unit does. And he said it many times. And he was in Delta for what ten years. Mm-hmm. It did the Modelo prison raid. Yeah, yeah. Right? He said many times the missions that we did in that unit were way more dangerous. Oh, he, he's told me than we that. ever did Delta. He's told me that he was like, I remember when I got into Delta, I was like, oh, I'm at the top. He's like, and then I found out about this thing, and I was like, Delta who? That's yeah, and that's fucking. But I was, yeah, that's from him. Yeah, that's from Dale. And that guy's been every fucking yeah. horse's animal. Yeah. Well, I was about to say Dale came on this morning and actually told the story of Modelo Prison, but uh, yeah. it's. Um, what I was going to say is um, 
yeah, I can definitely see where that's uh, where it's it maybe inhibits others from joining because right, it's ingrained. You're right. It's it's you like you and Dale have said multiple times. You're not fighting for the country. You're not fighting for the. It's you're fighting for the guy on your left and your right. That's right. That's right. And now all of a sudden you're taking that thing and you're flipping it completely on its head and you're trying to you're trying to get a dog to not chase other dogs. You're like, right. we're not going to go in for our brothers. And it's and then animals like you are like, fuck, yeah, we just turned this bitch up to 11. <laughs> it's yeah. it's it, it makes you it makes you much more ultimate uh, aware. The ultimate it makes you challenge. more aware of the little things that you're doing. Not that these other units, you know, SEAL teams and SF guys and Delta, they're 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 excellent at details. That's that's what they do. That's what it's a different level. It's a different. I don't want to say a different level, but you are so aware that the the smallest stupidest thing can get you, like in, you know, go to jail for us or life or torture. No one's going to come get you. There ain't no. There's no hostage rescue coming. Yeah. Um, and one thing I learned from that mission is I never ever went out the gate without nine nine magazines after that yeah yeah i had eight in my kid everybody's laughing like what the fuck dude why are you carrying so much ammo i'm like i'll tell you when we get back yeah yeah right but it's, you know what i mean that's yeah yeah the uh what's the um the the rule manuals written in blood Right, it's like the yeah. guys that went out in mogadishu and they we don't need the night vision sure. goggles exactly. we're gonna be back in five minutes dude, same exact thing Murphy Same shows up. Thing. Yeah, I went very light, very little water, couple power bars, pair of fucking badass binos. I mean, very minimal shit. In better, um, we had another radio with us, um, but yeah, very very light, just to do the mission and go home. Mm-hmm. And after that, like I said, I um, I carried eight eight mags uh, in my vest and one of the gun, and I used to get ripped all the time. Like, what are you going? To, you know, where are you going? Yeah, yeah. Then it's, I, just, I I needed to carry ammo after that, and I also carried um, two frags. Mm-hmm. After that mission, I carried two frags and eight mags on my vest, minimum. Yeah, just and fuck, then fuck and, and, and my backpack. I actually had some go to hell ammo, dude. I was it was overkill, but it was it it sh- it rattled me a little bit too much not to do it. I just what? felt comfortable. Plus, carrying it after. Plus, like you know what you'll be the motherfucker going joe give me a bag yeah, exactly <laughs> you know? yeah no well absolutely what what's what's good a hell ammo uh so i had like in my like a for lack of a better word on my back i always carry like a small little rucksack like a bug out bag yeah but it just had like extra shit in it okay. after that i didn't then but okay. after that i had like extra pair of socks extra water uh a broken down mre uh, two extra M4 mags, two extra pistol mags, which I didn't have a pistol with me on that on that mission either. Uh, dude, I'm telling you, I haven't been in the game a long time, but you'll talk to a lot of guys that were in Delta and, and SEAL Team 6. I worked with a lot of guys in Dev Group because Afghanistan is where they were. And these guys, a lot of these guys wouldn't carry pistols. They were just very streamlined, quick, fast. They had their 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 uh, primary weapon, but no pistol. Not all of them, but a lot of guys, like, I don't carry a pistol just because of the weight so they could move faster sure but you know it's again it's that's the like from all my military expertise but i mean I, again it, it kind of seems like the nature of the beast is different though like they operate as a team and it's and like like uh like the rate that operation neptune spear in abadabad pakistan it's right. like sure we want it to be covert but if it goes south we do have the primary all we do have everything else ready and it's, oh yeah they're working as a team so i can see where maybe they 
you know, we don't need this because this is the nature of our mission where it is speed. Whereas what you and Dale were in, it's like, hey, like the the guillotine's always the guillotine's just like it's shaving the hair on your neck. It's just sitting there and it's like so you're not gonna leave out your you're not gonna leave out your pistol. You're not gonna leave out the extra pair of socks. You're not gonna leave out the power bar. It's like I operated after that, I operated completely different with my loadout after yeah. that mission. Yeah. I was I I was carrying more weight than I can almost guarantee than anybody that I was with. Yeah. And they just you know, and once I kind of shared the story with some guys, like, oh I get it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, seventy-seven hours escape invasion. Fuck. Yeah, and um, matter of fact, the, the the boots I wore, I actually retired them, um, just because it, I, I don't have them here. But someday after, they were so tore up. The the the, the rocks and Hindu Kush are really sharp, uh, at least where we were, and it just tore the crap out of these boots. Um, they were a pair of Merrells. And um, after that, I've been. I was wearing. After that, I wear um, a solo boots. Mm-hmm. But uh, I looked at my boots. And I was like, God dang! He said, "Look at somebody taking a knife to him." Yeah. Like the the rubber, it was really weird, man. So I retired them. I have them. I have them upstairs, and just. Uh, but it's all about you know your physical fitness, dude. Knowing your limitations, not quitting, not giving up. You know, um, and I talk about that in the book. You know, and. Um, but yeah, that was uh, it. Was an interesting chapter because I was writing it. I could have gone on and on and on, mm-hmm. but I had to compress again. I had to compress that seventy-seven hours. And what happened, you know, um, into six thousand words or so, you know. And I, another thing, I even put in the book. I remember the guy I was with him saying, "We got to conserve our ammo. Only take shots that you know you can hit." Mm-hmm. But these guys that were like really, really far away, I wasn't even taking shots at them. Just, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, not that I could, but I just didn't want, I just didn't want to risk missing because we didn't have enough ammo. Yeah. So the shots that we were taking you as take, they were yeah. moving, and I know they had radios too. That was another thing. We or, uh, They had phones or radios for without a doubt because they were actually moving in, 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 a, in a very um, tactical manner, let me tell you. Um and then as they moved, more and more people were showing up. They actually had a belt-fed gun when we were leaving. Uh, I remember hearing a like a PKM or an RPD or something. Oh yeah. So, but anyway, um, we were very cognizant. We were very disciplined with our fire. And that's another thing. A lot of people be out there, gah, 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 gah. dude. It was cow. Yeah. <laughs> cow. You know, yeah. like that. Very yeah. slow. Very methodical. One shot. You know, even if the guy was wounded, didn't give a shit, you know. Um, but, um, but yeah, a lot of lessons learned from me because, look, I'm man enough to admit I wasn't that experienced as that the guy I was with. But let me tell you, that power curve went – that learning curve, I should say, went like that. Mm-hmm. That, that mission alone, I learned more than, you know, 10 years. Yeah. I learned in three days. And – for so someone like you, when you were saying, you know, a lot of guys looked at that and they're like, I can't get on board with the whole plausible deniability thing. Um, whereas you looked at it, you're and, and you know, and Dale, you're like, fuck yeah, let's you know, let's turn this bitch up, right? Let's move from let's move from light beer to like, uh, you know, grain alcohol, right? It's like let's take it up a notch. Even after all that, and you know what it what it did to you, and you know we're still you know telling the story, or you still have the bullet, or you know still don't hunt. 
despite all of those negatives is and again as someone that's read your book knowing what you wanted to be your whole life despite all those negatives is there do you look back at it and it's like fuck yeah you survived is there like a the ultimate challenge and you did it um yeah i mean it's i i i guess a, a really good way to equate that tom is like and I never played sports in high school, mm-hmm. so uh, I was non-athletic in high school. Was yeah. everybody knows. But it would be kind of like a kid that grows up and he wants to be a um, an NFL quarterback, right? So he's in high school and he plays high school ball and he was a quarterback and he was good. And then he goes to college and he he uh, you know he was a really good quarterback in college and he gets drafted for the NFL, right? And now he's an NFL quarterback. But you didn't know. Well, you knew, but there was this other league. The Olympics. This this other league called whatever the hell you want to call it, but it's kind of like a unicorn, you know, like, yeah, I kind of heard about that and don't really know a whole lot about that and never met one of those guys, but you knew it was there. I guess for me, it was just, you know, I had a big chip on my shoulder mm-hmm. um, because I had never been to combat in the military, not in the Marines and not in SF. I mean, I went to I went to Haiti for Operation Uphold Democracy and Maintain Democracy, but I mean that was that wasn't quote unquote combat at all. Um, but um, I had a really big chip on my shoulder. It's like, why would you want to be that quarterback? You know, because I played as a kid. I want to be a commando, and I I went in the Marines. I was in Force Recon. You know, made the Force Recon right out of infantry school. You know, and then got out of the Marines and went back in the Army. Like, here we go, we're going to SF, and still get not getting the chance to play. It's like it's like I needed to check that block mm-hmm. that all of this shit that I've wanted to do, um, I could do it. Mm-hmm. That I, that I could do it and, and survive it. And that's why when the opportunity came to to um, try out for the unit that Dale and I served in, it was an ab- absolute fuck yeah, I'm going to do this because that unit, that's all they do. And there don't have to be a war on. I mean, they're at war 365 days a fucking year. Yeah. And yeah. the story. Yeah. Yeah. And they're not handing out cookies at Walmart. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're a direct action unit that fucking goes and hunts down assholes. That's yeah. it. That's what they do. Yeah. And, and um, you know, and they do it in a very unique way. Not going to elaborate on that, but in a very unique way. And um, the, the, the stakes are really high. And um, it was like, man, I, I, you know, I went from, you know, college, pa- I passed the NFL and went straight to this. You know, so I had this this chip on my. I didn't serve in, in you know, the, in the other units, um, you know, like where Dale came from. So I had a really big chip on my shoulder because I was there. A large majority of the guys in that unit are former guys from Delta yeah. SEAL Team Six. So you know, uh, when I was going through the, their OTC, the chances of making it through the course aren't good because. If I'm not mistaken, I didn't say my book, 50% don't even pass the polygraph. Jesus. Don't even pass the polygraph. And that's the difference between between units like Delta and SEAL Team 6 is you have to have in those units a TSSCI, mm-hmm. top secret, you know, sensitive compartmentalized information clearance. It's the highest clearance you can have. The unit Dale and I served in, you had to have that and you had to pass a very 
stringent polygraph. Jesus. Stringent. Yeah. It's nothing was off the table. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. And it's it's the the analogy I've used before is um I use the basketball analogy. I'm like, you grow up, you want to play, you're good in basketball, you manage to get drafted, you go into college, you're like, this is dope. You get into the NBA, you maybe you even win a championship, and you're like, fuck yeah. And then there's something, and it's not even every year, it's it's the Olympics. And it's like, imagine if the Olympics were secretive, and you're like, what is that? And you find out about fucking NBA championship, you want to go be on the dream team. You want to play with Magic Johnson, Larry That's Bird, right. Kobe that Bryant, Michael Jordan. That was it. And you're like, what is that? And you're like, they don't even meet every year. It's every four years and you're like what the, they play other nations and you're like what the fuck is that it is the pinnacle it's the mount olympus and like you said that would be like you know because where they they normally take from our from dev grew and delta you were saying it's like that would be like you were it's in like college. a basketball team full of michael jordan that's what i'm saying it's like that's what i'm saying it's like so it's like the the dream team takes from the nba and it would be like if you were in college and you were like i never played in the nba but now you're getting right. this invitation to the dream team you were like that was me you were that like was, fuck it let's go yeah oh, exactly yeah and that's it's that's exactly very yeah. good it was like having a basketball team full of michael jordans yes and um and it was it was intimidating because yeah. i got there and I knew who these other guys were, but what that did, quite frankly, is even drove me harder. So, mm-hmm. like, we were going through our shooting packages and stuff. I would stay during lunch when these guys would eat. I was shooting, and so, and I was hanging, dude. Uh, physically, dude, not the two bone horn, but I was probably in better physical shape than ninety percent of the guys, even now. I've always, once I got out of SF, and I, I've really cranked my physical fitness, and I, dude. I don't care if somebody's listening and saying, yo, you're bragging. You know what? I fucking work hard at it, okay? (laughs) I work out five days a week, and I work out like I'm not going to get a chance to work out tomorrow. Matter of fact, as soon as I'm done talking to you, guess where I'm going? To the gym. (laughs) So, so yeah, and dude, you ask anybody. Ask Dale. Dale's worked out with me. He'll tell you. And that dude has done it all. Bodybuilder, Delta operator, SF, the unit I was in. You know, uh, he's got a doctor. You know, he'll tell you. Yeah. You know, I'm probably one of the most physically fit guys he's ever met in his life, and I work at it. But the point I'm trying to make is I was good there, like, you know, physically, easy days. Matter of fact, I was actually chosen for a specific mission. It was a, a maritime mission just because of something I could do physically faster than the other guys. And I haven't got into it. But anyway, that's why I went. Yeah. And so, um, but yeah, but I got to a point where my shooting – uh, which I wasn't a bad shot by any stretch of imagination, but there's a difference between being, yeah, man, that guy can, he can shoot a pistol like, fuck, a, a sub one second draw. Really? Let me see it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, okay. And bullseyes. Yeah. And so, yeah, so they, and, and the reason, the only reason that you get that good is they've got so much money. I mean, I don't know how many shooting schools I went to while I was at that unit, but. One of the courses I went to was with Jerry Barnhart. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, if you don't know who Jerry is, he's like one of the top you know, pistol shooters in the world. Very fast. His, his name's The Burner. Mm-hmm. And I trained with him for two weeks just to shave two-tenths of a second off my draw time. You see what I mean? Like, that's where they're at. That unit's got stupid money. Uh, any school I wanted to go to, I went to I don't know how many damn schools. I, I really don't know. Yeah. Um, I can't list them on my resume because some of them were yeah. sensitive in nature. Yeah. But uh, a lot. A lot of schools. Every time a school, I even told the guys in charge of schools, dude, 
if, if a school comes up and nobody wants to go, I'll go. Yeah. Just send them. Yeah. And so um, got to go to a lot of fucking really cool schools. But, you know, it took me, my, my confidence went up, was slowly, slowly going up where I got to a point where, and, I, and this is when it happened, I actually deployed to uh, Asadabad. Uh, Dale had been there before. The point was thought about Afghanistan, and we were commingled with um, SEAL Team 6. It was there. I think it was um, Gold Squadron, if I'm not mistaken. Got to know some of the guys, really good dudes. We go road, ride motorcycles at night and shit with nods on and just had a, had a really good time besides what we're doing. But anyway, we would go to the range together, and uh, I'd be shooting with these guys, steel plate and stuff. And they're they're good shooters, but dude, there was only one, maybe two guys that were that would shoot better than that. so it validated yes it validated i'm here now yes i can physically fit these guys i can shoot with them i can and that's when the light bulb kind of went off yeah it's... when i finally started deploying and i was operating at the level that i always dreamed of like yeah. i was oh, i'm here these guys are here and how do i get there and i'll tell you exactly how you get there is training with guys like that yes you, you be around those that's guys. How, not yeah. training with the high school basketball coach i was training with the olympic coaches yes so yeah. they were already here and i was here and it was like eh, 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 eh. oh yeah. there you are yeah and it's it's the it's the validation and again to yeah. to just because most people can't relate to that so that's why yeah. i try I always try to use my analogies because i think it helps probably people like me that don't have any experience in that i look at it as like i've talked about it a million times on this podcast how i was just a meathead and a terrible student all throughout life got to college second year decided i wanted to be a doctor studied really hard got a's and was like that's cool but i'm at a shitty school so i transferred to uga much better school worked really hard got a's but still didn't feel like i was you know still had a chip on my shoulder so i published toxicology research still didn't feel like i was there so i studied for the mcat for nine months instead of two and i remember it wasn't until i was interviewing at med schools and they'd sit you in there with like the other 10 people you're competing against one seat for. They just kind of, they let you stir. And I just remember finally, like for the first time in years, I finally got that validation because I was looking around the room and Harvard, Harvard, Yale, Dartmouth, Harvard, UCLA, Stanford, Yale, Harvard. And then I was like, okay. Like I finally, I didn't get to go to one of those Ivy League schools, but I was like, I'm brushing shoulders with it, and I'm and then I'm looking at their resumes, and I'm going, I scored higher than that guy. Okay, I didn't score higher than that guy, but I scored higher than that guy, and it's the same where you're like, it is. It's a chip on the shoulder, but it's there's no feeling like it when you finally get there, and you're it like, causes you to do, it causes you to perform better. Yeah, you at turn it up. You turn it up another yeah, notch. That's what I'm saying. I had no choice. Yes, because in, in a unit like that, it's kind of like having. You know, you know, you got a bunch of uh, Belgian Malinois running around, and here comes this Chihuahua. Like, dude, stay on the fucking porch, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's that. I mean, you, dude, I'm not joking. I, I've, I've said this to other people. I mean, you're dealing with guys that are cut from such a different cloth. Yeah. It's I can't even explain it. You could smell the testosterone in the room or something. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Yeah, no. It's not a bad thing. No. These are the guys you want to go through the door with. Yes. Right? These are the, the, the these are the Dale Comstocks. Yes. Those are the guys that you want to be like, dude, uh, you're in front of me, behind me. We're good. Yeah. We're, go. we're going in with like the hammer that, of that's God. It. Yeah, yeah. Dude. And that even makes you perform even better. Yes. 
and it gives you the confidence that this is going to be okay. Yeah. yeah. People are going to get, you know, people are going to walk away and somebody get carried away. I ain't getting carried away. The other guys are going to get carried away because mm-hmm. I'm around these kind of guys. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah. and, and you, it just, it, and I, I feel sad for people that never really get to meet men like that because they're such a unique breed. Um, you know, truly one in a million, the way the DNA is set up to work in those kind of units. It's, it's really rare. Yeah. Um, and I was very privileged and honored and humbled <laughs> to to just work with those kind of guys and take my take that chip off my shoulder and go, you know what? It did it. Um, I deserve to be here now. Yeah. You know, and in the beginning, I didn't I didn't really feel that I deserved to be there. Like, why did you yeah. Choose me and why? Well, they obviously saw something that I didn't see. Um, and then once you're there, then you're like, all right, here, prove that you want to be here. And um, I mean, I can tell you right now, there is my graduating class had four guys. Yeah, Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, I have a picture, I have to send it to you. I'll send it to you. We graduated on Halloween. So I went to Walmart and bought these masks, <laughs> and we took a picture in my class with our with our Halloween masks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's the cool. It's like one of the coolest freaking pictures I have, and this is like we're all just like standard, like dude. Yeah. I've got old school freaking uh, um, uh, field jacket liner on, and you know, like it's not like a high speed picture with guns. We're just standing in this room. Yeah. But it's about as high fucking speed as you can get. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Four guys. Yeah. Four dudes. And it's mm-hmm. yeah, but you got. I mean, you got to like walk walk amongst like warriors. You like you got oh, to the top. Yeah, you got to you get yeah. to go to the top of the mountain and look around, and you're like, "Fuck yeah!" Oh, dude, these are these are modern day like you know Spartan type. I mean, that's the mentality yeah. that these guys have. It's a it's a very much a warrior cult. Yeah. Um, you know, and um, it's um good I don't you, cult. It's a warrior culture. I don't want to say cult. It's the wrong word. Yeah. It's a warrior culture. The way they think, the way they, as a matter of fact, warrior religion, maybe that would be a good way. I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. I forgot about this. Um, I was at another base, um, commingled with guys from Dev Group, still Team Six, and they had just gotten back. One of their, we didn't go out with them. They had just gotten back. One of their guys got killed that night. That, when they came back, I remember they debriefed cleaned their kit and they took all this guy's kit like his uh vest and everything and they burned it oh shit that's... and it wasn't out of disrespect no that's fucking badass yeah they burned like i remember it was like his vest his body armor i think they took his plates out or something it was like it was a salt vest and yeah and i was like holy fucking shit that's like bad that's like viking that's shit hardcore dude. yeah fuck yeah yeah that's awesome yeah. Yeah, I was I was really blown away because um, I'd never seen that before. And I talked to one of the guys later on, and he's like, "Yeah, it's like something we do." Yeah, I mean, but that's that's where you get the general patents. That's where you get the sm- I know you're a student of Smedley Butler. Smedley that's where you get the Smedley yeah, Butlers, the oh, Eisenhowers, the oh, yeah, yeah. Lemays. Yes, yes, yes. It's these aren't these guys don't dip their toes in it, and this is what they do, and then they do this on the weekend. This is right. what they do. Period. 
Yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. It was a great experience, dude. I, I'll be honest with you, Tom. I wouldn't. If somebody came and said, here's a billion dollars, and, and I, I wouldn't take it. Yeah. It's made me who I am. I, I can die tomorrow knowing I've lived a very fulfilling life. Yes. Um, no regrets. Yeah. I mean, I, I do have regrets. Well, frankly, yeah, who doesn't? Sure. Also my, my friend Mike and, and other. But I have no regrets as far as like, you know, I grew up this kid. You know, seven years old, playing, you know, commando and running around the woods at night to making it, you know, not being athletic and having phobias of heights and water and all this stupid shit to making it into that unit. Like, it, 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 it was just like it validated why I was here. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? I'm not that TV guy. It was a fucking job. Yeah. yeah. Anybody can be on TV. Anybody. Yeah. No, I don't think just anybody can be in a unit like that. Yeah. I mean, no, that was, hey, I hey, personally man. don't think so. I think there's a, a specific type of person, and that's who I wanted to be my whole life. I didn't want to be some TV reality star. Hey, man, it that, just happened to happen. Hey, man, that's just a fat paycheck. There's nothing wrong with that. Well, that fat, let me just tell you either. <laughs> okay, well, regardless, it's, it's a paycheck. Yeah. It, it was nice, but it wasn't for all the bullshit I had to go sure. through. But, but, you know, yeah, but I can honestly say that. I mean, and I guess maybe we can we can end we can end this on a really good note. Sure. And I, I guess what it would be is you know who's ever listening, be that person you dream about. Yeah. Because let me tell you, I really believe when my day comes where I have to punch out of this world, I don't want to be laying there going, "I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done that." I would have rather said, "You know what? I tried out for that unit, and they told me to pack in. Yeah, I didn't make it. Okay, I didn't make it." You tried, right? But at least I tried. At least I tried. At least I tried to to, to, to do what I was yeah. wanting to do my whole life. So yeah. I guess that's like a really good segue out of this. Is just you know, it, don't let your dreams die. I guess yeah. like with like with you, you know, you're doing your podcast. All of a sudden, you're like, "Fuck it, man! I need an investor." Yeah, Bam, yeah. You got one. It's terrifying. It's but, 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 but it's okay. Yeah, it's now it's okay because now you're responsible to somebody. Yeah, but now but that's okay. Yeah. Now it's working, and it's, that's but, right. And well, yeah. Let, let's go out on that note, and I'll say, yeah, I remember. So after finally rubbing shoulders with those other Ivy League kids, and it's like I that's made right. it despite all of that. I remember at the end of the semester, I saw a quote by Maya Angelou, and it said, "There is no greater pain, there is no greater agony than bearing an untold story." And I, I knew I wasn't truly happy, and I was like, "Fuck, am I gonna, am I gonna die saying oh, I got into med school, I did the thing." But knowing right. that, like, to me, it was like brushing shoulders with those other guys was like tier one. And sure. then I looked way out into the future at something like the podcast. And to me, that was the unit you were in where I was like, wait, what if I could not only make money, but I did it instead of being a doctor? I could just sit in a, sit in a co- cozy chair and shoot the shit with guys like you and Dale. And well, I was it's like, your passion too, Tom. Yeah. It's your passion. Yeah. And when you wake up in the morning and you're doing what you do, it. it's not a job anymore. I love it. it. I can't. I can't, I can't wake up early enough, dude. I'm so excited right. for every day. But the thing That's is, is for seven years it was this brutal, agonizing. Fuck, am I not going to make it? Versus, but even then, before I say made it and got an investor, I always used to go to bed thinking, you know what? Even if it doesn't work, I was like, I fucking went for it. And to That's me, right. to me, Absolutely. that helped me sleep. I was like, maybe I got to go get a nine to five and I'll never have made it. But I was like, you know what? I turned down to med school, got my sorry ass dumped, lost all my friends, had to move home. But I was like, I fucking went for it. And I was like, fuck, yeah, that's huge. And that's that, huge. Yeah. That's and huge. at that point, I didn't even really care if it worked anymore. But now it did work and it's badass. But that's what I'm saying. 
let's wrap this bitch up, Joe. Sure. Um, let's definitely do a part two, part three, part 70. Yeah. You got it. And uh, loan operator, link will be in the description, sticking in the top comment. I sent, uh, I put Dale in touch with a, an audible narrator I've had on the podcast before. I, I don't know what your contract deal is. I'll put you in touch with them if you want. You need to put okay. it on audible. Um, okay. Obviously, no rush or anything. I've been asked to do that for so long, God dude. Man. I, My generation doesn't read. I don't fucking read. It's, it's. I, I, no, I hear you. I've been asked a lot. I just haven't done it. But yeah, if you've got a contact, I just. I I'll, I'll, I'll put you in touch. Much. I'll put you in touch with them. Yeah, it's. Um, cool. But it's kind of sorry. It's like what you said earlier with like Bob Ross, like. That's how I go with audiobooks is I put them sure. on. So think of how you sure. tune. That's what I do. But that's that's another fucking episode for another time. Joseph Teddy, I love you, brother. Thanks, Thanks for coming man. on, man. And you uh, got it, bro. let's do it next week. All right. Yes, sir. All right, brother. Take care. Out here. Bye bye.